0: And welcome to the Midwest Football Podcast, episode 26. This is your home for the most insightful takes on the NFL's upper Midwestern teams the Bears, Bengals, Browns, Colts, Lions, Packers, Steelers, and Vikings. I'm Joe Smith, your co host for this weekly adventure into figuring out the NFL. I'm born, raised, and recording in Detroit, Michigan, where the weather is starting to turn and the cider mills are elbow to elbow as we start to close in on Halloween. Here is my co host and friend chicago's own brian rosenquist
1: how are you this columbus
0: slash indigenous peoples day weekend
1: Good afternoon or morning or evening, Midwestlanders and friends, whenever time you might be listening to this podcast. Um, I'm back to Mr. Worldwide or Mr. Nationwide. I'm trolling from another location in uh South Carolina where I'm gonna be hanging out hoping the Panthers continue to lose. Uh, you know, so uh go Bears. We we, we might have uh won our way out of the 101 pick with our own, but we still we're still in the driver's seat uh, with the Panthers lost to the Vikings. So we appreciate that. And um Onwards and upwards. Let's go. If you like the show, help our podcast grow by giving us a five-star review,
0: commenting, contacting us via our email, Podcast at gmail.com, or recommending our show to your friends. This week, we will hold a post-mortem autopsy on the Patriot Way. We'll discuss winners and losers of a huge holdout ending, and the Bears finally gave up on Chase Claypool. But first, we will say goodbye to one of the greatest ever to play the game, Hall of Fame linebacker Dick Butkus, easily on the Mount Rushmore of NFL linebackers, passed away
1: last week at the age of 80. So Dick Butkus is one of the greatest players of all time. I mean, he means so much to the city of Chicago. And I was talking to my buddy, who's a Giants fan, and he kind of hit it around the head. He was Lawrence Taylor before Lawrence Taylor was. He was the 60s Lawrence Taylor before LT took the mold, you know, 20 years later. And that's kind of how we remember it. But this dude was a must. He's just a scary individual. And I think it's his, he's symbolic of what it's like to be a Bears fan. Cause I believe him and Dick Gail Sayers were the same draft, two of the greatest of all time at their positions. Um, and the Bears never won a playoff game with either of them, I believe. <laughs> it was like oh. just such a bad disservice to him. And um, I don't know what else to say about him because he's just – he's one of the greatest linebackers of all time. He means a lot to the city of Chicago. Just a scary dude. No one wanted to mess with him. you know. I mean, he has a funny-sounding name, but no one would say that to his face. <laughs> you know? What's funny was just random aside. This isn't part of the tribute. I heard some guy randomly say that uh, there was a conspiracy theory that he died on Monday and they kept it under wraps to inspire the Bears on Thursday night. I think that's a little much for an zero and four team. But um, either way, I'm glad the Bears did you well and actually won a game. The only game in like the last hundred or. 360 days almost a year for the bears so i'm glad at least you know we won on the dick buck is his as tribute because he was an all-time great and um hall of famer and one of the greats you know i mean he inspired like the singletary and Erlacher when it comes to that middle linebacker bill george was before him he was like the first linebacker but i believe he's one of four hall of famers that played middle linebacker for chicago alone and he might be the greatest there is just an incredible story that i
0: heard about just the toughness of Dick Butkus, where he was a rookie and he was trying to impress people and make the team and earn his spot. He decided that he was going to show he was the toughest, meanest guy that had ever played for Chicago, which at the time, even then was saying something. So there's some play going on in training camp. And the guy is that he's chasing, the ball carrier, is just way out of bounds. It was like all the way out to the track around the field at the time. And Buckus just runs out there and tackles him anyway. Comes back like 10 yards out of bounds, comes back picking pieces of asphalt out of his forearm when coming back with this scowl on his face and everybody just went, Jesus. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And that was just when he was a rookie. He did that to a teammate, imagine what he did to everybody
1: else. Mhm. <laughs> yeah, the we're on the same side, dit, can you not murder our teammates while we're in in practice? we got to make it to the season. Save uh, it for the save it for Sundays.
0: Speaking <laughs> about someone who saved it for all the Sundays, Bears traded Chase Claypool uh, they were originally saying they were looking for a fifth or a sixth, which we, you and I both knew was pretty much hilarious. So it ended up being they got Miami's sixth rounder but gave up their own seventh for it.
1: So it was a 6-7 pick swap to get rid of Chase Claypool. This is hilarious to me because, first of all, if he's upset he can't get enough playing time on Chicago behind Dan, Darnell Mooney and uh, TJ Moore, now he's going to be behind... a. Uh, waddle and hill like good luck um also you're gonna have to try at some point like it's to me it's hilarious because i understand the bears gave up a second round pick to get him and that was in hindsight one of the worst trades but at the time the bears were one of multiple teams including the green bay packers that were offering a second or more because we didn't know as much about him but since the, he got to Bears camp, he, he you know, last year during the season and during training camp, he got developed a reputation for not trying or caring. And this to me is just Miami hubris to even give up anything to give a get player like that at this point. I don't it, it. This is just one of those things where teams think they can salvage a guy who doesn't care and we've seen that time and time again with guys like ryan leaf um Do- johnny Manziel. if they don't care they just don't care um sometimes they're salvageable if they're actually cut and they sit around and on the employment line for a few weeks like um i believe it happened to cedric benson former bear before he signed with uh the cincinnati and he lit a fire but when they get traded like they're, they're still their egos are still there there's like well someone wants me just not these guys you know that kind of stuff and I don't know. I, I mean, I wish Miami the best of luck, but I just feel bad for Tua because I watched him give up on a lot of plays in four games, three games this season for the Bears that he played. Did he play? I oh, know he sat out week five. Did he say week four too? I think he was just told to go. He was out.
0: They, they sat him two weeks.
1: Oh, I mean, yeah. Because we talked about this last week where there was the controversy where. Everfluose lied about it or whatever. And I was like, you don't have to lie. Just tell them you're not playing until you try. And then they shut him down for the Thursday night game, which feels like an eon ago. And um it was the best game uh uh Fields played because he wasn't throwing to a guy who wasn't running a route and they weren't running screens where Claypool was refusing to even be a road cone to slow down the lineback, you know, the, the linebackers and cornerbacks that were blown up the screen. So I mean it was a huge addition by subtraction for Chicago. And I just I'm just curious, like, is Miami still watching game film from 2010 or sorry 2020 when he actually did make some plays? Because this feels like Claypool has become the new Josh Gordon where everybody wants to take a spin at him. And then you because you remember that one season he showed flashes and then you realize like. Oh, that was six years ago, and he hasn't done anything since. And you look at Claypool; like he 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 showed out pretty effectively as a rookie, and he hasn't really done anything the last three years now. Like he's been, I I think, at some point you have to look at the three years that we've seen recently, and not the one year as a rookie.
0: Yeah, I thought uh, Jason, friend of the podcast, has had a really great take on this when when I was talking with him, Mm -hmm. and and that was, you know, he. Claypool has handled this miserably, but he's also had reasons to be disgruntled because he's been in awful passing offenses, and people keep telling him either directly or by trading high picks for him that he's really good. Well, now he's in Miami, and it is 100% clear that he ain't Hill and he ain't Waddle. So he can't be coming in here and expecting to be the number one guy on this team. He's going to fight to be third. And that's a, and if that doesn't give him an attitude adjustment, I don't know what will, because now the message is look, buddy, you got to improve if you want to see the field.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, maybe uh, the seventh for sixth round swap will be more insulting than a second round pick um, where multiple teams were bidding on it. So yeah, I can I can see that. Um, I don't know. I still think that he's part of the reason these passing offenses haven't been good. But fair, fair. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's probably going to be cut by week uh, nine at some point. But you know. we will see. It's 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 like uh the Bears did this with Nikhil Harry last year. People don't even remember that. He was a highly touted first round pick that the Bears traded like a seventh rounder for, and they've and he didn't even like you never even heard from him.
0: Yeah, fair. Fair. There's a good chance he doesn't see the field at all. He's gonna have to earn it. But speaking of earned There is a new wealthy running back in the NFL, and it is a guy we've talked a lot about on this pod, Jonathan Taylor. He finally got the Brinks truck from Ursa and company to the tune of a three-year $42 million deal per spot track. This is a $26.5 million guaranteed
1: over the next three years. He he got paid big time. Hey, considering his... Four year rookie contract totaled $7 million. Congratulations. You just finally got some money. That $26.5 million guarantee is four times more than he got in the last four years. So I'm happy to see it. Do you think this means they've patched up their differences, or do you think now that he's under contract, he's just easier to trade? <laughs> the um, like Moss balling out. Maybe.
0: Yeah. More on that later. Foreshadowing. Oh, well, but, um, Getting
1: paid does heal a lot of wounds, you know?
0: That is true. I mean, it took a lot. It took the Colts realizing that maybe they had a quarterback in a team. Note the use of past tense also Mm, foreshadowing. That's sad now. Speaking of the past tense, I would like to take this opportunity to put the, uh, the funeral dirge on the Patriot way. For the last, if you've been a football fan for the last 20 to 25 years, you've been hearing about the Patriot way, which was just this thing that the press came up with to explain why the Patriots kept winning, with basically the only constants being Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Well, once those two separated, Bill Belichick looks lost. The Boston Globe itself, before I get to that, uh, the Patriots have been outscored a combined 72-3 to in the past two weeks, weeks four and five. That was against the Cowboys, who are fine. I mean, there are worse teams to get blown out against. Like when they did it the next week to the New Orleans Saints without Derek Car.
1: I think he played but he was hurt
0: Yeah he, he was not 100% and The Boston Globe was like Let the record Show that Bill Belichick quit on this team In the middle of the third quarter against The Saints
1: That was the Boston Globe How did they Define the coach quitting in the Third quarter I'm curious I didn't see the game
0: Uh Completely uninspired. They just kept running the same stuff out there. They were done adjusting. They were done trying to make anything happen. Mm. That was the end.
1: So this is interesting because I know Matt Patricia was the fall boy last year, but obviously Bill O'Brien was supposed to be great. Although it's funny that he was their offensive coordinator like 15 years ago (laughs) and probably brought back the offense from 15 years ago. And it's just one of those things where you could see it coming and obviously people are taken away from his legacy because this is happening without Tom Brady. But I still think that his decision to go with Tom Brady over Hall of Fame, Drew Bledsoe helped make Tom Brady. And he brought him around slow enough that I think Belichick was the primary engine to the first three Super Bowls they won together. But I think Brady was the engine on the second three. And I think more recently, the bigger culprit other than Tom Brady, who was still really good in Tampa. I mean, won a Super Bowl and made the playoffs every year. Um, but you started seeing this like he has multiple family members on his coaching staff he's bringing back guys like you know matt patricia last year and uh the uh, joe judge and uh bill o'brien and he'll probably bring back um um mike josh mcdaniel's when he gets fired from vegas this year as we're Recording this live during Monday Night Football, and Jimmy G just threw bad interception to set up Green Bay on a short field. um And I, I just think that Belichick's—you know—he's in his seventies. It's a lot of people are retired by then. This is a stressful job. I just don't think he's up for it anymore.
0: In order to understand why the Patriot Way is dead, you first have to understand what the Patriot Way actually was. It took people 15 years of trying to hire coaches and general managers out of New England to realize that the Patriot way was never portable because of the way that New England actually drove their advantages. It was all in the front office and Tom Brady. First, step one, Tom Brady, every year he was in New England, basically took a below market deal.
1: That's a big thing
0: from that point New England then went around to every other player on the roster and says look at Tom Brady he's not he took a team friendly deal do you think you're better than Tom Brady you des- that you deserve more money than him lay it down and because they had all those titles they had so many players lining up to make under market in order to win a title with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick So you had an entire defense, basically, of guys that were at the pro bowl level, but being paid as above average starters or guys that
1: were above average starters being paid at the average starter level. There was a there was a stat I saw back in the day that had like. Most teams have like max money contract guys, like 20, 15, 20 million plus, or like minimum contract. The Patriots were by far the biggest leader in like $5 million contract years, uh, players. They had all these middle market guys and that added a lot of depth that other teams didn't have to your point. And that's kind of how you saw it break out on the salary cap. With that plus Tom Brady, they were able to
0: essentially create a team with no significant weaknesses that Tom Brady couldn't address. And if they didn't win every year, they were always in the discussion because just... they had the most talent per dollar of any team in the league every year for twenty to twenty five years.
1: Look back on those that time. It is better than just the six Super Bowls they won together in New England. They were in the AFC championship game almost every year. <laughs> Like, it's ridiculous. Like, it was like a 50% chance of, of Tom Brady being in the Super Bowl, not necessarily winning it. Like, it is an insane level of, um what do they call it? Success. Sustained success. <laughs> the Chicago Bears fan has to look for the word success in the vocabulary. Yeah, I forgot what it was. Yeah, I don't know what that is anymore.
0: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, look at what's going on with the team now. Tom Brady went away, so they're not getting those Pro Bowl players to come in and give them a discount. Good point. But they're still following that we want to underpay everybody model, so they're getting mostly players who are just desperate for work. They, You look at the team, they don't have a running back in the top 15 in the league. They don't have a wide receiver in the top 25. Their offensive line is average at best. Their defense is average at best. They had some good players on it, but
1: I mean, they they did just lose their top cornerback and pass rusher, but I don't know if they were elite anyways.
0: Yeah, they've already lost three starters to the year with injury, but that's another story. Point is, the whole business model that brought the Patriots success is not working now because they don't have that generational quarterback to come in and make people take them under market value.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because now without Brady, it's kind of a marriage that worked with both of them because it was the Belichick defense with Brady offense, and then you could get those veterans. Now they just, instead of getting a veteran at a discount, they're just getting cheap players that are discount. Um, Also lost in this is they've had like a run of bad drafts the last like four or five years, which has really exacerbated uh, um, their fall off. And I'm just kind of curious if the only reason Belichick is even holding on is because he wants to break Shula's record for the all-time winningest coach. And even if he breaks that, Andy Reid is coming up hot on his heels with Pat Mahomes for another five, six years.
0: Dirty little secret, the Patriots were never a great drafting team. They would trade for guys in the last year of their contract, and then let them walk so that they end up with a supplemental draft pick. They would end up with 10, 12 draft picks every single year. They'd hit on four or five of them and get maybe one above average player. The rest just fill in guys and get guys to come in on in free agency on below market
1: deals. Well, they also traded down a lot, which I know infuriated a lot of Patriots fans who were just like, can we just take one highly talented guy in the first round for once? But statistically, it that makes sense, though, because you just have more shots at if it's like a 30 percent chance you got seven draft picks. Normally, you have to hit two or three. If you have 15 draft picks, you can hit on two or three. But I agree. They were kind of mediocre. They had players. They fill out rosters. Um, But they never really had stars beyond like Randy Moss and Wes Welker, who they traded for. The long and the short of it here
0: is I don't see this getting a whole lot better unless they trade for a quarterback or acquire one in the draft.
1: Well, do you think Bill Belichick lasts the season? Do you think he steps down in this midseason or after the season?
0: I think they would do him the honor of letting him retire for what he's done on this team. They're not going to fire him in the middle of the year. What if
1: he doesn't want to retire, though? What if he wants to coach like the Chargers next year because he wants the Shula record? Do you think they let him out of his contract?
0: That's a real good question. We'll have to see how bad bad gets here, but I really feel like Belichick was kind of exposed these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. On that happy note, let's turn to a team that has Seemed like it. at least for one night they turned it around, and that is the Chicago Bears. Let's take a look at their blowout win against the Commanders. Welcome back to the realm of the living Justin Fields in Chicago. Second straight
1: Ford touchdown day from Fields with one total interception between those two games. Well, what was funny about the game was it actually followed the same game script as the uh, Packers in the uh, Denver game, where the Bears looked great in the first half. Uh were not good in the third quarter, but uh, the Washington got back in the game um but unlike the other games, the Bears learned how to play in the fourth quarter, so that was kind of uh interesting. It was kind of fun to see the progress um you know, if the Bears can be that explosive as an offense as they were in the first half of the last two games plus the fourth quarter last game. Um, that's going to be fun to watch. You know, the defense, uh, did just enough. I mean, it was, they gave up 20 points, but they were never really, you know, they, they that was their best game. <laughs> I think the bears are giving up 24 points. like every game under Everflues. So all around best game, uh, in Eberflus's bear coaching history. It was fun to see. And the bears still have the Panthers number one overall pick. So they still are in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, but if fields keeps playing like this, it'll be a Marvin Harrison sweepstake, which will be a fun reunion if that happens.
0: Oh, absolutely! The Bears had, a- sorry, the Commanders had absolutely no answer for DJ Moore, who went nuclear for what was it, two hundred plus receiving
1: yards and three touchdowns. Yep. And then the news story about the Panthers wanting an elite receiver—perfect timing for that, which made me laugh. And uh, <laughs> it was also fun seeing like one of the, like a couple of leagues where people had, including myself, uh, fantasy leagues. The fields, DJ Moore stack, and just the other guy just like, I've already lost.
0: <laughs> like there is some fantasy is league brutal. out
1: there where, uh,
0: the yeah same, Jamar where,
1: Chase exists. I know.
0: Yeah, where Jamar Chase and DJ Moore are in the same backfield. Or the same uh, wide receiver core, in which case that's an eyewitness button if there ever was one.
1: Yeah, I thought you were saying they went head to head and neutralized each other, which would be depressing if you were on the losing end of that.
0: (laughs) True. But um, But, what do you account for the sudden turnaround in Justin Fields? Is he like mentally preparing better or what is going on here?
1: Uh, I mean, it, it was weird because it, it seemed like he was comfortable with the scripted stuff um, like he was in the first half, but then kind of did his usual second half unadjustments. But I think the biggest difference is when you look at the box store, Todd tells it, he just said, screw it, I'm going to trust DJ Moore to be the lead number one they brought him in to be. And he was just getting rid of the ball and throwing to DJ Moore much more comfortably than he was. Because remember my complaint when I was at the Tampa game week two, he would stand in the pocket for five to seven seven, or even nine seconds and just take a sack. Um, He got rid of the ball, and he got to DJ Moore, and I think DJ Moore had more catches than every other bear combined. uh, Lost in that, I think, like, it was was a very funneled, narrow approach for the target tree. Yeah, the only other bear that got more than – you know, two or three targets was Cole Kmet, who caught the other touchdown. He's had a couple right. of good weeks in a row too. So yeah, I, I think it's I think it's that. It will be interesting to see what happens when defenses start double and triple teaming DJ more the next couple weeks.
0: Definitely, I don't want to say the Commanders gave up, but there were definite rumblings after the game around town and. They did continue to fight, the commanders did, but it was nowhere near enough to account for what the Bears were doing. On to another blowout, and this was the Panthers at the Lions and just a businesslike, you know, beat down against an inferior opponent. Lions were playing without Gibbs, without Amon Ra, without Dion Branch. No problem. And if you are a Lions fan, you have to be very, very excited with what you're seeing out of the Lions. Just taking care of business against bad teams is more than we have gotten from the Lions in the past.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's incredible with those high-profile guys missing and Laporta, does two touchdown games, looking great. And um, I don't know if there's a lot to say, other than it's it's good to see that's kind of a sign of a team that they've turned the corner where... They didn't have a letdown game and use injuries as an excuse. They just went out and crushed uh, (laughs) the Panthers. And, uh, you know, David Montgomery looked great, looked explosive, and uh, golf looks very comfortable in the command of the offense.
0: Josh Reynolds had a couple of drops as sort of the next man up for the Lions receiving core, but he also had just an incredible toe-tapping touchdown at the back of the end zone and made some other really athletic plays. It's obvious that he has the trust of Jared Goff, who looks just solid. This is a Lions team, and this is what's impressing me, that it used to be as a Lions fan, anything bad would happen, and the Lions would fold. They'd start getting, you could see them start to get in their own heads, and then the false start of the worst time would happen, or jump off sides and extend a drive, or... Offensive you know, holding
1: on a big play, bringing it you back, know,
0: whatever, just some kind of boneheaded play, whatever it was. And you're not seeing that now. Campbell has these guys, and as much as his you know, game management scares me at times, you know, he's got these guys treating adversity like something to overcome, which is exactly what you want. Yes, he was still aggressive, but he didn't do it in any places that it was stupid even though it didn't always work out, I can, you know, if you're going to go for it on fourth and three from the 32, I'm okay with that. Just don't go for it on fourth and three from your own 40. Mm -hmm. In short, another good game for the Lions. They've got a much uh, bigger game coming up next week. Adam
1: Thielen, king of garbage time uh, now in fantasy, starting to become that guy. So,
0: you know, yeah, if okay.
1: available and you're desperate, pick him up. Another hundred yard touchdown game. I don't think any of it was in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: Um, yeah, that was a that was an ugly game script for the Panthers. And just as a sh- extra shout out, the pass rush just crushed Carolina. They only got one sack, but they were just constantly in the face of uh, of Bryce Young. And I've said it before. He cannot succeed in that roster. He just can't. There's not enough around him at this point in his career. On to the Titans and the Colts, another young quarterback with Richardson who looked really good in this game. and then he got t- was on the run towards the uh, strong side landed on his shoulder when he got tackled, when he ran into two uh, Titans and had to leave the game. This is brutal for the Colts.
1: It's a shame because in only five games, he's now left two of them injured, one with a concussion with a shoulder injury, which I believe is going to keep him out for a few weeks now. Um, I believe both games he got knocked out of. They won Uh, Gardner Minshew best quarter best backup quarterback in the league so far and he's played like it you know leading him to victory anyways um i think it was interesting seeing that uh your one more thing was to see who uh, in this pass final offense or defense, as should say, who's going to step up besides Michael Pittman. And I think Josh Downs answered that with six catches on six targets for almost a hundred yards. I think that was the definitive. Look at me. I'm one of the best rookie route runners and I'm going to get the targets. So that was good to see um, Zach Moss spoiled the Jonathan Taylor uh, comeback. Who was clearly on a pitch count but Moss put up 165 yards on the ground with two touchdowns and another 30 yards in the air. Whereas uh Taylor played, but it was very limited. He only had like six carries, and uh, he'll get there. They put him paying a lot of money. So yeah, I can't imagine.
0: I can't imagine that Jonathan Taylor would be permanently on a 50, 50 timeshare with, with Moss. I, I, there's just no way. Uh, he had a great game, so I don't think Moss is going completely away, but you know, you always have a tandem running back. There's no team in the league, and there hasn't been for at least a decade that's like, okay, this one guy gets every touch, every down, every situation, I don't care. No, this was a huge win for Minshew coming off the bench again and the big uglies up front on both sides of the ball. They contained derrick henry on the defensive side they sprung gigantic holes for a titans run defense that had shut everybody down that they played so if you're looking for an mvp of the Colts season so far look no further than the offensive and defensive lines
1: and one more thing on the moss uh taylor thing too. your point like you need more than one running back because a lot of rumors are they're going to trade Taylor now that he's back and there's still bad blood, or maybe they boosted the Moss value to get more trade value. But we didn't cover this in the Bears game five minutes ago, but they basically lost every running back on the roster at this point. I mean, DeAndre Foreman will be back off the practice squad, but they hired uh, or inactive list, but they brought back Darrington Evans off the practice squad because injuries pile up. And you want to have Jonathan Taylor and Jack Moss, in my opinion, especially since they're three and two and are currently tied for the division lead with the Jaguars, I believe the the London Jags. AFC
0: North and AFC South are both wide open at this point.
1: More on that
0: actually right now, because the Steelers played just one of the wildest games I've seen against the Ravens and came out with the victory. This was not your normal 17 to 10 Steelers win. Like they were saying on the broadcast, you kind of had to watch this one. You had a safety, you had interceptions, you had fumbles, you had drops all over the place, you had big plays. This didn't feel like an ugly, sloppy, bad football game. This felt like two really good defensive teams just trading haymakers.
1: Oh God, yeah, it was. I mean... It was, it looked like the, Steel, the Steelers offense couldn't get a first down and it was 10 to three, but it felt like one of those defensive blowouts we talked about, except they were right in the game, and then they had a safety, and it was 10 to 5, and then it was 10 to 8. It was like, this is a weird score. And then it ended up getting to 17 to 10, which is a normal score, but like it was because they went for it, got a touchdown with the, that big Pickens play, and then they went for the conversion and failed and fell at 14. And I thought one of the weirdest things was they were in field goal range. They kneeled the clock out and kicked the field goal and gave Lamar Jackson a full minute to answer, which was. Kind of shocking. I thought maybe they should have tried to move the chains a little there bit. Is, What's your take? I think
0: there's there's a penalty involved there. That okay. I, it was one of those it's like an illegal formation or something like that, where just even though they declined the penalty because they didn't want to give a, the pit the Steelers another down, mm-hmm. they ended up it stopped the clock. So instead of running it down to fifteen seconds, they were sitting there on fourth and like oh, eight so with a minute
1: how do you get an illegal formation when you're kneeling it out but anyways it, it was just a weird sequence in my opinion it worked out well because the defense was amazing and um pickett made just enough plays to well one play basically to george pickens pickens looked pretty good he was uh balling out um i just thought it they still need i, I don't know the joke is that uh Tomlin won't fire Matt Canada because he's he's bored and he's looking to make a challenge to make it harder to win games.
0: <laughs> I, look, the this oh. game the, from the Steelers' perspective reminded me a lot of the Ohio State-Maryland game that I was watching mm-hmm. my beloved Buckeyes, our beloved Buckeyes, this the weekend Bucs. where they're just not controlling the line of scrimmage in the run game. They're just Mm. not the they're not getting hats on the linebackers. So the linebackers are coming up and plugging holes. They want to run, but they're getting stuffed. So they're it's just ending up putting them in second and eight, nine every single time. Mm -hmm. And it ends up becoming a pass only game. So you ended up with this and the defense was amazing and kept the Steelers in it. Because Pickens was pretty much the entire Steelers offense. Agreed. Firemuth was out.
1: Deontay's um, still out.
0: Deontay's still out. The running backs, they were trying, but they weren't getting anything in the run game. They got some a little bit of passing work, which was nice. Unsung hero here is the Pittsburgh defensive front. The linebackers were amazing for the Pittsburgh, but that front seven basically took away the Baltimore running backs. And, the, and with Odell Beckham out for the Ravens, the wide receivers just, they looked like they were getting tighter and tighter as the game went along and they were just dropping insane numbers of balls. Zay Flowers uh, had a crucial first down drop in the first. The longer this game on, the worse the Baltimore offense looked. Bateman and Andrews dropped touchdowns on back-to-back plays in the second quarter. There's a perfect bomb in the late that third quarter that went through Aguilar's both hands. I mean, the best hands on the team is from the receiver perspective is probably Andrews, but he didn't play like it today. Yesterday, I should say. We're recording on Monday night. And that was really the problem was just miscues all over the place. All right. On to the afternoon games, the Bengals and the Cardinals. Jamar Chase finally woke up with three scores. That ought to make them happy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things where we've been waiting for it because the Bengals have started slow beating this drum all season. And it was only a matter of time before they did it. And I feel like this is similar to Justin Fields getting right with DJ Moore by just saying, you know what? Things aren't working. Let's just trust my elite stud. And now DJ Moore might not be that level at this point, but Jamar Chase is arguably a top three. I I don't think people argue against that. Arguably the best receiver in the league, you know, and 19 targets for 192 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he was right to go at him. I mean, especially when you're the second leading target with something called T Irwin (laughs) that had uh, eight catches for 60 yards. Board was there, but he's underneath. Guy P.
0: Higgins was out with ribs, yep. And Jamar Chase just kept beating coverage like a drum. It was brutal. This is the kind of get right game against the Cardinals that the Bengals desperately needed. The Cardinals still scored plenty of points, but they just couldn't even slow down.
1: No, they had no answer. And uh, it, it'll be interesting because as a whole, the NFC North, AFC North, sorry. Is all within one game now because the last place Bengals are two and three, one game behind the Steelers and Ravens now, and the Cleveland are a bye weeks, they're half game out. So, this is just as it's they are as close as we thought they would be, if not farther up in the win totals we were expecting by this point. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, we're still there. The,
0: the wins will come because some of them have had a fairly difficult schedule, but. And the others are figuring some stuff out,
1: but Mm -hmm. oh boy. But figuring out the Burrow to Chase connection, um, that will keep them in every game for the rest of the season. And uh, and that's a big reason why they're one of the Super Bowl favorites.
0: Definitely. Speaking of Super Bowl favorites, let's talk about the Chiefs and the Vikings. A lot of us thought that the Chiefs were going to come in and have their way with the Vikings, and they definitely didn't look. I have been very, very negative on the Vikings, but I think there's a very good chance they're better than their record. Maybe I know that sounds a little strange coming from me because I don't think there's anybody that's been as negative as I've been. Well,
1: you mean on the defensive side of the ball? Because we've, I think we've been on their offense. I mean Jefferson, uh, what was it Cousins and the Suns? They were, you know, it's an explosive. <laughs> should be an explosive offense. Jefferson, by the way, Jefferson, Madison, uh, uh, Hawkinson, and um, Addison. (laughs) All those targets have sun in their head. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, I want to give a shout out to the Minnesota Pass Protection, who did a tremendous job against the front seven of of the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of those passes that they were throwing to Addison or uh, Justin Jefferson were long-developing routes that, it was really something that they were able to keep that pocket clean enough for Kirk Cousins to throw them open. And that's kind of an underrated part of this. I still don't think they have a very good run blocking line, but they've got a a tackle combination that can really pass protect.
1: Yeah. I mean, they average like three yards per carry on their running backs, but on the flip side though, I mean, this is, I think, the Chiefs are kind of falling into that ugly mode. This is like a uh, early Patriots with Tom Brady, where they ugly up the games and they do enough to win. Um, I saw a stat; I think they held like the longest streak in the NFL of like twenty points or less. The Chiefs are actually a very underrated defense at this point, and we kind of are aware of the uh, offensive woes beyond the Travis Kelsey pass cutters with the Chiefs. So they kind they of, they're kind of outside of blowing out the bears in the Taylor Swift game, um, they've kind of just been winning ugly, but they're winning and that's what champions do. You know, I don't know if maybe they're bored, maybe they haven't figured out um, their pass catchers yet, but you know, it, it was a close game. It didn't feel like it, it It looked closer than it felt. And I think part of that is because the big story is Justin Jefferson Jefferson uh, Jefferson had pulled his hamstring and I think was out for a lot of the game in the second half. Yeah,
0: that's going to be, he's, and he's going to be out. I think for some time.
1: Yeah, I think they ruled him out next week already, but I don't know how long. But yeah, Travis Kelsey also got hurt, but he came back into the game and scored a touchdown. Um, Yeah, and he's not practicing, but they play on Thursday night. Yeah, it was
0: an obvious rolled ankle, at least as far as I was concerned. That the commentary team immediately acted like he, you know, left his foot three yards behind. Mm. I mean, I mean, Kelsey was able to play. We'll see because they've got a quick turnaround. The Chiefs play on uh, Thursday night. Talking again about the kind of things that we see in this game. Um, as far as the running backs, Madison is the lead. Acres is a clear number two so far. We'll see if that continues to change because Madison struggled again. Mm-hmm. Um, they went, to, you know, they started out the game in Viking fashion. With with Oliver catching the first play, fumbling, and then I pretty much didn't see him again until Hawkinson got hurt in the oh, fourth quarter.
1: Hey, that $27 million well spent for their backup tight end.
0: Yeah. um, But what efficiency. drove me nuts is once again, the officials were all over the end of a Kansas City game. Again, for the third time in their last six games. mm yeah, you can argue that it didn't change anything. They picked up the flag on a pass interference on fourth down that would have gone against the Chiefs. Uh, it was, the ball was later ruled uncatchable. And then immediately when the flag was thrown, the Chiefs defensive back ripped his helmet off and started coming at the official to complain, which should be an immediate unsportsmanlike. The instant you remove your hat. On the field of play that's supposed to be an unsportsmanlike mm. and that wasn't called even and the commentators for the game were like mm. what is going on the camera caught the official telling the guy to put his helmet back on and he wouldn't throw the flag and he didn't throw the flag mm. and then what ended up happening the chiefs eventually gave the ball back to Uh, Minneapolis, the Vikings went down the field and they got to about the, you know, the 35 yard line, you know, right in that fringe where, you know, you kind of wish they would have had another 15 yards and that was the sack to end the game. It's it's getting annoying. Mm -hmm. I want to say that the Chiefs are a really good team, but the refs won't get out of the way.
1: Well, they're four and one and we'll forget all about this in a month or two when they're seven and one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unless right. they keep
1: winning like this.
0: <laughs> Unless it's all close games, which it might be because I'm really concerned about their receiving core yeah. after Kelsey.
1: Yeah, their receiving core is not great and their defense is pretty solid. It's just they're gonna ugly it up and then Mahomes makes just enough plays. So I mean it's a it's a, we've seen this formula for success if you have the elite quarterback.
0: Yep. This was a lot of the Belichick model for a lot of those years. The last Midwest team going is the Packers, who are going live right now as we record this. It's uh, getting towards the end of the third quarter, 13-10, with the Las Vegas Raiders threatening. That still feels weird to say. Las Vegas Raiders.
1: Yeah, I know, right? Now, first of all, it's weird to see that the two kickers are brothers, Daniel and Anders Carlson. I never did that math until they showed him on screen together that, you know, they were they're both Carlsons. because um, they're kickers. Who cares? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's an interesting game so far. It looks like the Packers are taking away uh they're ruining uh Devontae Adams day. He's not getting a lot of passes thrown his way, or at least he's not catching many of them. Uh he did pick it up in the second half. He's got four now, but he only he only had one at halftime. Um they the big play of the game in my opinion was uh christian watson caught a 77 yard pass and if you saw me looking horrified earlier it's because i was watching it because the touchdown saving tackle was a horribly blatant horse collar because the guy knew he wasn't going to be able to tackle him uh without keeping him out of the end zone so he literally committed a 15 yard penalty the packers you know ended up stalling and kicking field goals so it was a four point four point saving personal foul so i guess props (laughs) to the raiders um for heads up play i was thinking about it when i played flag football if you did something like that and you're the last defender they just caught it call it a touchdown they say last defender penalty you did you committed the penalty just to save a touchdown we're not rewarding you for your penalty um so i thought it was interesting that he got rewarded for almost murdering Christian Watson in front of 70,000 people. So
0: You know, that's the reason that I like the NFL pass interference better than I like the college pass interference, which is a 15-yarder. At least it has been historically. Mm -hmm. Because if it's a 15-yard penalty and you start to feel yourself get beat, you might as well just tackle the receiver.
1: Yeah. 15 yards better than 50 yards, but in NFL, if you do it, it's the same result, except now the guy doesn't have to catch it. So um just interesting thought like you know we talked about this last week uh Watson and Jones were on a pitch count apparently Jones had a setback cuz he's scratch he was a uh, inactive for the game uh Aaron Jones that is uh fairly did- late
0: scratch yeah they it they were incorporating him heavily into the game plan and then came out i think sunday where they just it realized that it was not going to happen mm-hmm.
1: A.J. Dillon's doing his usual three point something yards per carry, but he has a touchdown. Um, But the big thing that I wanted to see last week, if you remember the one more thing, was I wanted to see what Christian Watson would look for on offense. And uh Jordan Love was actively rough in the first half. They were down. But that big play, Christian Watson got wide open, juke the cornerback that was still behind him or cornerback or safety and went 77 yards. It should have been a touchdown if the guy didn't commit the penalty. And that game single handedly put the Green Bay back in the game because their offense was struggling before that. And that's what's kind of fun when you have guys like Christian Watson, you know, or anybody on the Miami Dolphins, is any (laughs) play, no matter where you're at, can just boom 60 yards, you know, for a touchdown and just completely flip the game, you know. And um, that stuff is scary, man. A 50, 77 yarder like that deck, that's a game changer, you know, that's a big play. There they're they people are uh upping the value of those.
0: Yeah, i thought that is a huge advantage. And Christian Watson is amazingly sustained his big play ability from last year, and he just might be that kind of player. There's a touchdown for the Raiders.
1: Yep, just to end the third quarter. So Josh, Josh Jacobs.
0: Jacobs. Uh actually first play of the fourth, yeah.
1: Oh, my bad. Um, yeah, so 16 to 13 pending extra point. So, yes, so it's an
0: actual Josh Jacobs sighting for Josh <laughs> for... Jacobs, Jingleheimer, Smith,
1: I was gonna say, his, him and... his name is my name too, right? I was going <laughs> to say it, it is him and Ramon J. Stevenson, the two guys that are healthy, that are most leading, leading most teams to one in uh four fantasy seasons right now, the way they were drafted because of how they played last year and how, um, irrelevant they've been this year yeah maybe he did not you know most people weren't drafting
0: josh jacobs with a first or second round pick except in friends and family leagues Uh,
1: third rounders ruin your season that's but yeah going
0: as bad as Still he's been, starter. you wouldn't want him in the third or fourth either.
1: No, you're starting. Yeah, because a third rounder, you're starting as your RB one or an elite RB two, you know. And if he's they're playing like that as your RB two, that's not an advantage, and it's actively hurting your team if they're the number one, unless you got Kyron Williams and DeAndre Swift on your roster, like some people I might know.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you pull up the fantasy score for him, and it's just a poop emoji.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, well, we might have another touchback on this game as we move on, but for now, um, shall we... What's the rumor mills out of uh, Cleveland during their bye week?
0: Yeah, Cleveland is uh, poking around, and now I you got to be real careful with rumors because we're at the point with internets and blogs and people spreading stuff that NFL rumors is almost as big a business as the NFL itself. But the rumor was that... Cleveland, the Browns, were asking about the availability of Denver left tackle Garrett Bowles, Hmm. or Bowles. So it's pretty clear they're not entirely satisfied with the left tackle that they've got. I Now, as I understand it, the Denver conversation was fairly short and fairly one-sided and may have involved laughter from the Broncos, but
1: I'm actually surprised to hear that because they did trade um, Randy Gregory to, I believe, the Niners this week. And um, after losing to the Jets, there is a lot of rumors that they might be in tank mode and they might start trading off more and more assets. So maybe the axing costs will, will go down for uh, Bulls. Um, also, remember, too, the Browns did lose their starting tackle like week one or two. So it's interesting that they're trying to address it now. There must not be liking what they see in their in-house replacement, which I don't remember who it is. Maybe they move the right tackle over, but I think Dewan Jones has been playing right tackles, a rookie, not left tackle. So I think because I thought he'd been playing well.
0: All I know is if they go out and get another left tackle, then it's just one fewer excuse for Watson, yeah, who is very quickly running out of them.
1: And I will say. It is good to see that we haven't heard any more uh, drama between John Deshaun Watson and the head coach about why he didn't play last week. So that was our big fear when we were well, playing I'd last be, week.
0: I'd be terrified if we had, considering it's a bye
1: week. So that means somebody's running to a camera to spit it out. Well, that's exactly why it was good we didn't see anything. <laughs> yeah. you, have, you have a bye week of just nothing going on, <laughs> you know, except boredom, so... You know, you take the week off practice and
0: stuff. Quick tip of the cap to Nathaniel Hackett, who came in with the Jets as their offensive coordinator, former Broncos head coach, and beat Sean Payton, who had run his mouth about him as a commentator. It, apparently, this has been every uh, every head coach's revenge tour that he, Sean Payton ran his mouth about. Because <laughs> apparently the same thing was with the Miami coach also.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, there
0: was personal beef there.
1: Well, i also give a tip of the cap to the guy who cut Breeze Hall in one of my fantasy leagues, allowing me to pick him up. Thank you very much. That was a fun little present for this week. And <laughs> yeah, not the one you and I are in together. <laughs> no, it's not that one, but obviously. But he went, he went off those people who weren't following. In any
0: case, let's... Uh, ooh, that was a not good drop.
1: That's the the, that's, that's the that's the downside of Christian Watson is he also might drop some balls, too. But
0: yeah, that's that is true. But let's get on to one more thing. If this is your first podcast with us, we pick all of our games, regardless of the spread. We pick them all straight up. I am many things, but a gambler is not one of them. So we do encourage if you are specifically looking for gambling coverage, you know, this is not your podcast, but we will help you understand these games better to make your own decisions. Let's start with the early games of those aforementioned Browns who are hosting the Niners. This is not a week to be wondering about the status of your offensive line. What do you think, Brian?
1: I want to see, I think, two of the best uh, defensive fronts going at it and wrecking havoc. And, uh, It's going to be I'm a little more worried for the Browns in this one because Brock Purdy looks like he can get rid of the ball pretty quickly in the face of, you know, the Dallas pass rush we saw last night. Um, I'm not sure. Watson seems to be at his best when he holds the ball a little bit longer and makes plays downfield. So uh, this could be a scary matchup for the Browns, Um, but I want to see how he handles the pass rush. I'll, I'll narrow it down to that. And my pick will be the Niners.
0: Yeah, I was looking at the same thing. We know that the Niners are going to get pressure from every direction against the Browns because they do that against every team. Mm-hmm. And the Browns have been battling injuries up front. Mm-hmm. So what I want to see is how much pressure the Browns can generate against the Niners mm-hmm. offensive offensive front. Um, That might be about the only way you're going to slow down Brock Purdy is if you get in his face
1: so many good weapons that can he can just get the ball too quickly and make him dance you know
0: well that's why i like the browns chances better than i like the dallas cha- uh defense because dallas especially without digs is yeah. very much a blitz pressure kind of system but the browns can generate that with their defensive front and allow lots of guys still to stay back in coverage so i do think the browns have a better chance than dallas but I'm still picking the Niners.
1: They also have guys like Denzel Ward, who's De- Trayvon Diggs equivalent, who's not injured.
0: <laughs> right. On to the Seahawks at the Bengals. Brian, uh, this one, yeah, I, the Bengals had a really nice week. And if they're not actually fixed, I think they come back to earth here. Because Pete Carroll is, in my opinion, the best coach in the NFL. And he can beat teams that are anywhere close to him just by out scheming them. He makes the Lions look sick every time they play them, even after people think the Lions are good. So, yeah, I'm going to be picking the Seahawks here because I want to see where I want to see the Bengals get people involved who are not Jamar Chase and still have a successful offense. Mm hmm.
1: Um, One more thing is I want to I want to see the show that we can see put on by DK and Jamar, because I feel like if you were to tell me the team, the receivers most likely to have three touchdown games, these would be my first two choices. And we just saw Jamar do it Um, underrated Tyler Lockhart in there. So I think you could see a, a pretty fun game of big plays And it's funny to say, because until this week, the Bengals were not fun to watch. So I'm just hoping for a fun game. Um, I'm also going to pick the Seahawks because they just seem like a more rounded team. That's kind of in their stride right now. Whereas the Bengals showed signs of playing well, but it was also against the Cardinals who let's not forget, they've been frisky, but uh, Josh Dobbs kind of came, turned it back into a pumpkin last week. And that might be the Bengals defense turning it around, but also, there's a reason why he's been available freely the last two years as a quarterback, but um, I think Geno Smith is a better counterpunch to Burrow, even if Burrow's playing well.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to taking uh, an extended look against the Bengals against a good team here. On to our Midwest versus Midwest game. We've got the Vikings and the Bears in a what has been a battle of the Beatons, but you know, on one hand, you've got the Vikings who look better than their record and the Bears who maybe have saw, caught something and turned it around. How do you see this one going, my friend?
1: Uh, it's just I know they I know the, the the Vikings kept it close against the Chiefs and the Bears, you know, played. Five out of eight good quarters, but these are two of the worst teams in the league, but the bears just played two of them and went one and one. So it could get ugly. Um, But honestly, this it's another pick. Yep. This is a game that I think might be more fun to watch than I originally thought, except the status of Jefferson Jefferson is in doubt. Um, I was going to say it could be a fun fantasy show watching cousins and Jefferson versus fields and, DJ Moore. uh, From that perspective, it won't. It it should be a fun watch, is what I'm looking for. I'm looking to see if um, Fields can play a full four quarters because even in the win last week, they did not. They they looked terrible in the third quarter, so and they let the Washington back in the game. And I think the Vikings have a better offense. So if they're going to take the quarter off, I think the, the Vikings can pounce on that and turn another quick Bears lead into a disappointing, soul crushing loss. What are you looking for in this game?
0: Well, we got two things here. On the Vikings side, I want to see... Good point. We got two more
1: things in this game.
0: I want to see if Addison can pick up the slack for or some of the slack for Jefferson because injuries have wrecked this game. On one hand, you've got Justin Jefferson and maybe Hawkinson that are not going to be 100%. And on the Bears side, you've got every running back that you've ever heard Mm of. So it's really going to be a matter of, I think both teams need to be better defensively than they have been. Both teams are, you know, have okay lines. Some weapons have struggled to run the ball. They're similar in a lot of ways. So it really comes down to which team is going to handle the adversity better. I think this is a coaching game against two coaches that I am really not fond of.
1: That, that depressed me as if you said coaching, cause I just don't think the bears have a creative in game coaching, you know, thing. And we saw that in the third quarter every week, but yeah, I, I didn't even think about the fact that Hawkinson might be out too. That kind of just, it's a bummer for the Vikings. So since you point out, it's two more things since we have one of each game. My thing for the Vikings is can you run the ball? You traded for acres. You had, you invested in Madison, Ty Chandler looked good in his one carry last week. Um, if you're down Jefferson and Hawkinson, maybe lean into the run game. See what they can have there. Take some pressure off of, you know, Cousins throwing to a rookie receiver and K.J. Osborne. I want to see what they can do with the running game. Bears aren't particularly great.
0: I'm going to pick the Vikings on this one. I really, I like the Bears, but two, but the Vikings just sooner or later are going to win a close game because they were 11-0 and last year. I don't think they're going to go 0-11 in close games this year.
1: But we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Vikings, too. I just I still have yet to see the Bears play a full game, even though, you know, they still won by a lot last week. But I don't know. It it was still a similar game script that I've seen before. And I I just want to see a game script look different than last week.
0: Right. On to the Colts and the Jaguars, which is another team that looks remarkably similar to one another that are both trying to build along the trenches and the Colts won with it last week. What are you looking for here?
1: I want to see what um Man Gardner Minshew looks like uh, with a full game, because I think he came in twice in relief for Anthony Richardson. Um, but it is a little different when the other team's preparing for you, because he's a very different style quarterback than Anthony Richardson. And I want to see how he looks against the Jaguars defense.
0: Good point, because sometimes when you prepare for one thing, and they bring in somebody that does something dramatically different that is by definition better.
1: Mm -hmm. What are you looking for in this game? For this one, one?
0: I want to see if Jonathan Taylor looks anything close to full speed. i got to believe that they're going to give him more carries than they did the week before, but we'll see what the breakdown is, and we'll see how good Taylor is on a per-carry basis. Good call. I think the Jaguars are going to get this one. I think they are a better team overall. I think especially if uh, the Colts are down to Minshew at the backup spot. But this is going to be closer than some people might think because the Colts are a lot better now than they were in week one when these two teams played the first time.
1: Mm hmm. And let's not forget, they're also coming back from London after two games back to back to come back across the pond, and beating the Bills was a huge win. So there might be a letdown factor for the. Do you Jaguars. think
0: staying over there for the second week had anything to do with the Jaguars playing so crisp from the start of the game?
1: I think two things that were factor. That was a huge factor because I think I believe the Bills flew in Friday night, and you're going west to east you get that jet lag which you might not necessarily get when they come back to the states um and then you also forget that the bills had that major win against the dolphins the previous week because remember the dolphins dropped 70 the bills rained on that parade by beating them by 40 to 20 and that's kind of a yeah. letdown factor combined with the travel um to london while the jags had stayed there plus the jags i think are just like 10 and 0 in london they're they're you know just the greatest team in london in, in england history at playing american football Yeah, but yeah, I think that factored in that was smart of them on to
0: the afternoon games. There's only one the Lions and the Buccaneers. Did
1: you pick did you pick the Jags?
0: Yes. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with the Colts. Lions and the Buccaneers, which was flexed to the later spot once the network executive saw what they had with the Lions and the Bucks, who have been you know, playing the best out of any of the teams in the a- in the NFC South. So this is two division leaders going head to head. Two surprising division leaders. Well, I mean, the Buccaneers were definitely surprised. A lot of people picked the Lions, but it's still unique to see them up there.
1: Seeing this schedule makes me sad that I'm going to be flying back to Florida um, during the games because I'm looking at, I could have gone to the Jags and the Bucks games. I could have watched the Colts and the Lions to- on Sunday. But uh, what I'm looking to see is uh, how does the uh, Baker Mayfield do against the Lions defense? Does he continue to uh, slow because the, the Lions have done a good job slowing down guys like Jordan Love, Desmond Ritter, uh, Bryce Young. Can they keep it going forward? Because uh, Baker Mayfield's been underratedly very good this year. And uh, I'd like to see if he can keep it forward, going forward against the Lions defense that I think is very underrated and has actually been very effective.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And there's I was actually going to say something similar. But mm, sorry, what I, I was
1: trying to go the opposite way of what you might have thought. <laughs> but sorry. what I
0: was going to but what I'll say is I want to see if the Lions can establish the run against Vita Vea and this Ooh. really stout Buccaneers. Very good front. If the Lions can run at will against this team, look out because I don't know who slows down the Lions power running game if they're running it right down Tampa's throat.
1: Yeah, I agree with that one. So who you got?
0: Just from my superstitious nature, I'm going to pick the Buccaneers here just because they've been so high for so long and I still don't know that everybody's healthy. And yeah, you can beat Carolina with half a team, but I don't know that you can beat the Bucs
1: with half a team. Mm -hmm. One of my other thoughts was i guess see who's coming back from injury for the lions to be honest i kind of wish i was making this pick later in the week but uh i'm going to roll the dice go with the B- lions i think that they were really good last year they are they've been just as good this year or better despite the injuries and the bucks are a good story i still think they're a more flawed team and i'm i'm going to go with the lions despite it being on the road
0: the las vegas stadium looks like a roomba with star wars technology Yes.
1: By the way, one of my favorite stadiums I've ever been to. I went there two years ago for the Bears Gruden game. We talked about this uh, when I did the bear location stuff. Just a really awesome stadium. And I didn't say that there was a surprise ludicrous concert at halftime, which was awesome. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, that was sweet.
0: That covers the actual games for next week. We got a very short schedule with only five games because two of our teams, the Packers and the Steelers, are on a bye.
1: I mean, it's a good time for a buy for the Packers. They're playing on Monday night. They don't have to worry about that short week.
0: That is true. So they get to either right now they're down 17-13, and the coach looks like he can't believe what he's seeing. So
1: eighteen on a holding call by the backup tight end.
0: Yeah, that's that'll that's always uh that's a, a, one heck of a popularity call action a, item. Call that that's, a rookie
1: mistake out of the rookie third rounder. Tucker Craft, by the way, not not Musgrave.
0: Well, yeah, he was chewing out Musgrave earlier. Mm. He was having, you know, one of those infamous one sided conversations.
1: And that's that's why rookie tight ends don't see the field that often. But, you know, we're talking about Laporta <laughs> the greatest tight end of all time since Mike Ditka so far.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean Laporta's been unbelievable, but that's neither here nor there. I the pat the Steelers definitely have a big win to celebrate the Packers. We'll see what happens these last few minutes here. Mm-hmm. But
1: six minutes to go, down by four. I was going to say one more thing. I want to see the Steelers off season, or, uh, since they have a bye week, they have a full week, two weeks to uh, implement a new offense if they do end up canning Matt Canada as the fans want. <laughs> so we'll see. That's oh, bu- that would by that was my one more thing.
0: That would be rough if they uh, if they can Matt Canada. After the win that they just had, even though I don't know how much he had to do with it, uh,
1: their first downs uh, are historically awful. They have very few first downs. That was entire de- win carried by the defense, where the offense made it was good for one drive, basically one play to pick Pickens to pick it. I could see them firing. That's all I'm saying. Like that, this would be the time to do it if they were to make a change. Oh, I'm not
0: saying it wouldn't be deserved, but. That the timing would make might raise some eyebrows.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, sorry about that. We can move on.
0: Yeah, Packers. You know, we'll see what happens at the end of the game because they got to recover from this either way. They got to maybe do some things to address what's going on in the offense. To, um, because it's looking like Jordan Love is maybe not where they thought he was at the end of the preseason and they may need to do a little bit more in the game plan to support him.
1: Yeah. As we're wrapping this up, he took took a sh- shot downfield to Christian Watson and with whiff- missed him badly and the punt field the punters coming on, on fourth and 10 with a uh, five forty three left in the game. So still a game. There's still a lot to talk about. And unfortunately I think that's all the time we have for today.
0: Yeah, we got a, we, we are both, uh, reaching the end of the time that we can, uh, that we can devote to the podcast here this week. So we'll uh, see if we can address what happens at the end of the Raiders Packers game in other ways. Check out our social media, of course, for all sorts of updates and to keep you posted and ready for game time. We've got Facebook. We've got the X. We've got (laughs) plenty of ways to keep you connected as you uh, get ready for Week six in the NFL, but that's all the time that we have today to uh, spend with you. We thank, of course, you for spending some of your week with us. We always appreciate all the time that uh, we can spend together. We want to thank Raymond for our intro and outro music. Thank Chris Brandley for our all of our logos across our social media platforms. But it is time for us to take it to the locker room. For another week, we will see you later. I miss you already.